0: Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. Good evening. Uh, It's really great to see you all tonight. And um, I really, and I'm being completely honest and upright with you, I don't mind that your kids are in here, okay, I really don't. And so, I mean, don't encourage insurrection or anything like that, but, um, but I really don't mind that they're here, and if they're talking a little bit, uh, it, it probably bothers you more than it bothers me, and I understand because I'm a parent of five, but uh, it, it, it won't bother me uh, unless I see you encouraging them, okay? <laughs> all right, um, well, it's Christmas Eve, and I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas, and um, tonight, tomorrow, you're going to be gathered with people you love, um, loved ones. You're going to be celebrating. You're going to be exchanging gifts with others. You're going to be enjoying good food and good company, I trust. And somewhere in the midst of that, as, as you're exchanging gifts with each other, um, your child is going to say to you, or you're going to say to somebody else, or if I'm talking to you kids, you're going to say to your mom and dad or grandpa and grandma, thank you so much this is exactly what I wanted. Or, thank you so much, I love this. And tonight, singing gathered around the piano, um, and just this short message, and it is going to be short, okay, four to five, it's not going to last till five tonight. want to get you on your way rejoicing and enjoying Christmas. But uh, singing around the piano and just a short word from, from the Bible, it's meant to bring you and I to this place where if you're not already there, um, we would say to God, thank you, Lord, for your incredible gift. Uh, that, the Apostle Paul, that's what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, praise be to God for this indescribable gift. And we have been given an indescribable gift. I want to read a story that is well known. Probably everyone here Even down to the age of three or two-year-old, you've heard this story. Um, It's a very familiar story, and I just want to back up and talk about it briefly, just kind of a meditation over this story. It's in Luke chapter 2, and let me just read um, verses 8 to 16. It says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Let me pray just real quick and ask God to bless this time. Father, I just ask you just in the short time over your word, God, I pray that you would impact us deeply by your Holy Spirit and that we would all leave with either a brand new or a renewed appreciation, and satisfaction, and joy in your gift given to us at Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Verses 10 and 11 say this. These are the verses I want to focus on. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. One thing I've been trying to do in the last few weeks, for whatever reason, it just dawned on me that I oftentimes read familiar stories without really trying to place myself in the story. You guys ever do that? And so these familiar stories, they're just that. They're familiar. And so we read over them, and we know that story, and so we just move on. This is one of those familiar stories. But I found myself earlier in the week, well, let's see, it's Thursday, so maybe Tuesday or Monday really kind of placing myself in the shepherd's feet or in their shoes. Imagine if you were there that night, one of these unassuming shepherds watching over your sheep. These were just ordinary people. They were laborers, right? They were out taking care of their sheep. It was, it was not a glamorous job. They were probably late at night taking care of their sheep, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an angel of the Lord appears And it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. So it's not like a hundred watt light bulb shining down on a person or a group of people. It's not even like these lights, how sometimes they get really blinding, not right now, but sometimes they do. It's not even like that. When the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory shone around them, I imagine it like a 10,000 watt light of nuclear powered, you know, blinding light surrounding them. How would you respond? Would you say, Houston knows, right? He's always raising his hand in class, right? He's always got an answer. How would you respond? Would you say, This is awesome. This is cool. Here's how the angels responded. They were filled with great fear. Great fear filled them. God was appearing to them. The angel of the Lord was coming to them, which was a manifestation of the Lord himself. The glory was shining. God was coming to them, and they were filled with great fear. The word great in the Greek, it's not hard, it's megos. It's where we get the word mega. They were filled with mega fear, all right? Big time fear. You might say, why were they filled with fear? Well, we don't know much about these shepherds other than what is told us, but more than likely they were Jewish, right? We don't know if they were religious or not necessarily religious. But we do know from the Old Testament that oftentimes when the glory of the Lord appears and people are not walking with God, or really even if they are, it's a fearful thing. They may have been afraid that God was coming to incinerate them, right? Blinding light, angel of the Lord appears, For whatever reason, they were filled with great fear. The angel's first word to them was, Fear not, or don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. He wanted to allay their fears. He wanted to wipe away their fears. He wanted to take away all fear that they had. And then he says, For I bring you a message. I bring you a message. And it's a message of good news. But it's not just a message of good news. It's a message of, that's good news, and then listen to these words, of great joy. Good news, that's where we get the word gospel. So it's a gospel message. It's a message of good news, but it's a message of great joy. Good news of great joy. I want to ask you a question. Do you have too much joy? I mean too much. Like, Listen, I cannot handle another pinch of joy in my life. I just can't handle it? If that's you, this message is not for you. But if you are like me, and I'm like, hey, man, I I want joy. We want joy. Then this message is certainly for you. Good news of great joy. The word great there for great joy, the word megos. We get mega, right? Good news of mega joy. The angel says, don't be afraid. They were filled with great fear. Mega fear it says, don't be afraid. I got a good message for you. It's good news of mega joy. What was it that made this message such good news? Such good news of such great joy. What makes this good news so good that it's of great joy is, that, is, is in the way that it's just, uh, Jesus is described or, or it is described. Jesus is described in this passage, right? He's brought a, good new, a message of good news, of great joy. And he says, for, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a person. And it describes him as a savior, as the Christ, and as the Lord. He is savior. He is Christ. He is Lord. Each one of these, his, him being savior, that he's come to save Intensifies our joy. That He is Christ even intensifies it more. And that He is Lord takes it into the stratosphere. Meant to, okay? Let's take a look at these one at a time. He is Savior. This baby that was born is a Savior. Of course, we need a Savior because of our sins. We need a Savior because of all of our sins. But oh, the joy of having a savior who really saves, who totally saves all who come to him. In one of the, in the gospels, I think it's in Luke, maybe chapter 15 or 16. um, Jesus tells a story of, um, of of a man, of a servant who owed his master and a, um, an amount of money that he could never pay back. Let's just throw out a number of like $10 million, okay? This was a guy who made 30 grand a year. He owed someone $10 million. That, that amount would never get paid off, okay? And uh, the, the point of the story is, we're not gonna go into the whole story, but the point of the story is, Jesus is trying to get us to see this huge debt that we owe to God because of our sin, But listen to some of the things that Jesus says of himself or that others say of him. Jesus said that he himself came not to be served, but to serve us and to give his life as a ransom for many, to purchase us back, to pay our debt for us. He is a savior from all of our sins. Matthew chapter 2 says, Jesus is the one who comes to save his people from their sins, right? The angel came to Joseph and said, you're going to give this son the name Jesus, which means Jehovah is salvation because he will save his people from their sins. John chapter two, John the Baptist is baptizing people and Jesus comes along and John the Baptist looks at him and says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus doesn't overlook sin. He doesn't pretend it's not there. He takes it away. He saves us from it. He removes it from us. Psalm 103 says he removes it as far as the east is from the west. This is incredibly good news. Listen to what David says in Psalm... Well, I'm not going to turn there. Psalm 32 David is overwhelmed with the grace of God that has come to him because God had saved him from his sin and forgiven him of all of his sins. Psalm 32 says, How blessed is the man whose transgressions are covered, whose sins are forgiven. How blessed is the man against whom the Lord will never count his sin. In that psalm, the word blessed, you know another word you could put in for that? Happy. How happy is the man whose sins are forgiven? Doesn't that make you happy? If you know Christ, if you have put your trust and faith firmly in Jesus, your sins have been removed from you. And that is cause for great joy. The angels were saying good news of great joy because this Savior has come. He has come. But Jesus is not just Savior. He's also Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah for the Jewish people. He was the fulfillment of all the hopes and longings of the Jewish people. And so this was incredibly good news. Micah chapter 5 says that the Messiah would be a ruler and he would come and free all of his people from the oppression of all of their enemies and that he would establish a kingdom. In fact, when Jesus came on the scene in his public ministry in Matthew chapter four, his message was this, repent because God's kingdom is at hand. He came bringing God's kingdom, the rule and reign of God. I love Isaiah chapter nine, which tells us about Jesus at 700 years prior to Christ coming. There's this a prophecy of Jesus, and it says that it gives him all these names right. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the of the increase. Excuse me, and the the government shall rest on his shoulders. And it goes on to say, and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. This is what it means for Jesus to be the Christ. The angels are saying. This is the Christ. You know what that means for you and I? Eternally, joy-filled hope because Jesus has come, right? We don't see that that his kingdom has come in its fullness yet, but when Christ comes again, it certainly will, and we will rejoice with him, and we can rejoice even now. This is good news of great joy. So Jesus is Savior, Jesus is Christ, and Jesus is Lord. Behold, I bring you good news of of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you today is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Lord is a name given to God, describing him as the eternally self-existent sovereign king of the entire world. Universe. This is stunning. I mean, the angels are saying there's a child that's been born, and by the way, it's the Lord. This little baby in a manger is God in the flesh. It is God who has come down. The Savior and Messiah is none other than God Himself, the Lord. I think that God has not left the plan of salvation and his kingdom up to another to establish and to bring about, he came down himself to see that it would be done right and be done fully. Back in Isaiah chapter 9, that prophecy given 700 years prior to Jesus, after all that Isaiah said or God said through the prophet Isaiah, there's these words, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it right? The increase of his government and of peace, there's going to be no end. And then it says the zeal of the Lord of hosts, he will do it. In other words, God is going, this is not just wishful thinking. This is not, you know, we use the word hope in really a wrong way many times. Let's just face it. We do, don't we? We say strange things and say, I hope, you know, that I always throw this out. I hope the bears are good this year. That is not the way we use the word hope from the Bible. We have a true hope because the Lord of hosts will do all of these things. God himself will do it. The angels proclaim to the shepherds, excuse me, the angel of the Lord proclaimed to the shepherds, this baby born is the Lord. Not God Jr., not the Lord, not like vice president God or something. He is the Lord. And his salvation is secure and his kingdom will spread unimpeded. It will. I think when Christ comes again, there, there's a, um, I think it's in Haggai when it says, and Isaiah says something very similar, that there's going to be a time when the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea how wet are the seas right how much water is covering the seas i mean it is chuck full right there there will be no square inch on planet earth where the knowledge of the glory of the lord will not be known So this is incredibly, incredibly good news. Jesus is a savior, a perfect savior. Jesus is the Christ whose kingdom will spread without end. Jesus is the Lord. He can do it and only he can do it because he is God, the Lord. Who's this joy for? Who's this joy for? Well, the angel said it's for all people. So is it for everyone in the entire earth? Well, yes and no. It's offered to everybody, right? It's offered to everybody within the sound of my voice here and everybody within the, in the sound of anybody's voice who is telling the good news of great joy. But it's experienced by those who respond. And I would submit it's experienced by those who respond like the shepherds here. All that I've said that Jesus is Savior, Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is Lord is amazing news. It is gloriously true and good news of great joy, but it must be embraced personally and experienced personally through faith in Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord said to the shepherds that this Savior Christ and Lord has been born unto you, he said to them, and that it was good news of great joy for all the people. But the shepherd's response shows us how you and I can enter into this joy. So unless you're one of those people who said, you know what, I just can't handle anymore. I cannot handle any more joy. Let's think about how we enter into this. Let's look at how the shepherds responded to this message. It says, as soon as the angels went away back to heaven, They said to one another, Let's go and see this thing that's been told to us. See this thing that the Lord has shown to us. You know what it says after that? It says, They made haste and went to Bethlehem. Kids, the word haste means they went right away, they hurried, right? They turned tail and got there as fast as they could. Imagine, I was was thinking earlier this afternoon, imagine if the story went something like this. The angels went away and they thought to themselves, hmm, I wonder what we should do with this bit of information. Or imagine this, imagine if one of them would have said, hey, listen, you two stay here, chill out with the sheep, all right, take care of the sheep, I'll go check it out. And I'll come back and tell you if it's true. No, that's not how it happened. It says they made haste. They went as fast as they could. We don't really see. We don't really know exactly, but it seems like the sheep were a non-issue at that point. They were unconcerned about the sheep, right? The Lord was in Bethlehem. A Savior was there. The Christ was there. The sheep didn't matter so much anymore. So tonight, how do we enter into this? We see from the shepherds, we go immediately to Jesus. We go to him right now. We don't wait. We hurry right this minute. We go to him as savior, right? We go to him as savior to cleanse us of all of our sins. We go to him as the Christ. We go to him as our only hope for eternal joy. And we go to him as Lord. We go to him as Lord and King. And we bow our knees to him. I think of, you know, the wise men or the, the Magi. They're called the wise men in most English translations. But really they just were, they were, they were magicians from, from the East, from perhaps Babylon. But when they came, they, right, they came to Jerusalem and they, they said, where's the king of the Jews? And Herod called some of the scribes and they said, well, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. So these wise men, these magi went to Bethlehem. When they found the place where he was, it says that they bowed down and worshiped him, right? And they poured out their gifts to him. So we come to Jesus as savior to cleanse us from all of our sins. You might be thinking, well, I got saved a long time ago. Okay, so did I. We come to him as Savior. He is a God full of mercy and grace. We come to him as the Christ, as the Messiah, for an eternal hope of great joy. And we come to him as Lord and bow our knees in humble worship of this Lord. So go to him. All he offers tonight is forgiveness and cleansing for all your sins. Maybe you come in here tonight and you feel loaded down with guilt and shame. Here's what he offers you. Forgiveness. The weight of all your guilt and shame lifted off of you. Maybe you come in tonight and you cannot see. The future doesn't just look bleak. It just looks really dark as far as you can see. Here's what he offers you. A future that is not just bright tomorrow and the next day and the next day, but is eternally bright. I heard somebody say the other day in an interview, two guys being interviewed, and one one guy said something that was so profound to me. He said, even if you feel like... Um, you, um, how, how do you put it? If you feel like uh, your life in this world is ruined, you can rejoice because you have an eternally bright future in Christ. So come to him. Come to him right now. Now, I can envision two possible objections tonight. Maybe some would say, and I think I addressed this just a few moments ago, very briefly. Someone might say, I've been to church for a long time and it sounds like you're telling me to get saved. And I would say, well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I might be, there might be some here who do need to get saved, who do need to come to Jesus maybe for the very first time. You've been living apart from Christ for a long time. But others here may not be. But do you, I go back to my question, do you have too much joy? <clears throat> are you overflowing it with joy like David because your sins are taken away? Then come to Jesus for fresh grace tonight. And experience the overflow of his joy in cleansing you and taking away all of your sins. Another objection that someone might be thinking right now is that life is hard and joy like this seems very unrealistic There might be several people here who think something like that. And I just want to close with a thought addressing that. We all live with unanswered questions, right? We all live with hard things. I don't think anyone here would say, listen, my life has turned out just the way I wanted it to. I don't, I can't, I don't think anyone here would say that. Maybe you would. We all have hard things in life. We all have difficulties and trials. Some are going through incredible difficulties right now. Nobody's life is exactly as you would have planned it, which is probably good. But one thing we can never, excuse me, one thing we never have to question any longer We never have to answer, or we never have to wonder this. Is there a God in heaven who cares? Is there a God in heaven who gives a rip about hard lives? There is. He's shown us. He's come down, right? I was so tempted tonight, and so I want to close with this. I was so tempted to share from John 3, 16 but I think that's an amazing uh, Christmas verse for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved the world. What's the world full of people like you and me. We're cut, cut from the same cloth, right? I mean, people like you and me, the world is full of imperfect people who, do things we shouldn't do, but he had such love for this world. I mean, it says he so loved the world. If I say to my, one of my kids, I am proud of you. That's great, right? That's great. We should say things like that. But if I say, I am so proud of you, it says God so loved the world that he gave his son in the midst of our difficulties, unanswered questions, why God, why is life like this? Why is this thing not better? Why is this relationship hard? Why do I struggle with some of these same things? One thing we know for sure, the answer is not that God doesn't care because he showed 2000 years ago, he really does, right? He came down in Christ. Jesus lived the life you and I could never live. He suffered and died on the cross, the death that we wouldn't want to die. He rose again so that you and I can know him as Savior and as Christ and as Lord. And I don't know about you, but that is incredibly good news. That is incredibly good news of great joy. There is a God in heaven who came down because we could have never climbed up to him. He came down in great love with such mercy and grace and love to rescue us. So, this Christmas, as you're exchanging gifts with others, you're enjoying a great meal. I pray, I'm going to continue to pray in my home, for my family, and for you and yours that you will be overwhelmed and maybe even say these words. Thank you, Lord, for your indescribable gift of Jesus, of Christ, and all that comes with him, right? As Savior, Messiah, Christ as Lord. And who knows, maybe even before you leave here tonight, on your way out, you'll just grab somebody and say, Isn't he amazing, right? Just like you turn to your parents' kids and say, thank you so much. This is an amazing gift. Or you turn to your spouse and say, this is awesome. Turn your attention to Christ and say, you are amazing. You are awesome. Thank you for your indescribable gift. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you tonight for the indescribable gift of your son. We didn't do anything to deserve him coming down. We only did things to deserve your punishment and judgment, but you sent Christ down because you so loved the world. And not just the world in general, but you so loved us. Or each one of us could say, you so loved me that Christ came down you sent him down he came on a mission to save thank you so much lord god I pray for this christmas season tonight tomorrow and I know that celebrations will continue god for it to be a time of great joy lord in i mean in the temporary joys of food and being together with people we love and exchanging of gifts, all of that we should really enjoy. But underneath all of it, empowering all of it, energizing all of it, intensifying all of it, is this great joy that is found in Christ alone. Fill us with it now, I ask, Holy Spirit, as we go. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Have a great, blessed Christmas full of great joy.